Amana le Kaingada. Let's say an Almana widow gets married to a Kaingada, even though she's not allowed to get married to a Kaingada, right? An Almana is only allowed to get married to a Kayan Hedit. Or if a divorced woman or if a woman had chalitza done to her, it's married to a kain hedid, to a regular kain. And they bring into the marriage abdi milug. Abdi milug means servants that come from what's called milug. Milug means although the, the principal belongs to the wife, the fruits, the yield goes to the husband for as long as they're married. Abdi the same barzal, and they bring in same barzal. Um, property. St. Barzal property is different in the sense that St. Barzal, the way it works is when she brings something into the marriage and what happens is the object now belongs to the husband completely. However, he guarantees that he will give that amount that the object was worth back to her in the event that he dies, it will be taken from his estate or if he divorces her, it will be taken from the, from the ksuba. So the Abdemey Lug servants, the servants who have come in as, um, you know, that still belong to her, they're not allowed to be Truma. The the servants who have come in and belong to him completely, to the husband completely, and he's just going to give the wife the value of it in the future, they are allowed to eat Truma. What are Abdemey Lug? If they die, then they die for, um, they die and, and they're her expense. Right? In other words, they they go the the loss is to is to her. Um, um, okay. The im siru sirula, and if they go up in value, then they go up in value to her. And even though the husband has to support these servants, they're still not allowed to eat shuma. Now, what's this whole conversation of whether or not they're allowed to eat shuma? The halacha is that a kain's servants and a Priests, servants are allowed to eat shuma as well. And this is the example of Abdi Tzimbarzal. Tzimbarzal, which means iron sheep, literally, that they are considered to be completely the husband's and he's going to guarantee the value to the wife. If they die, then they die for him and he still has to pay back the wife, the value of the servants, right? That's called Tzimbarzal. If they go up in value, then they're his, they're his gain. And since he's held responsible for them, if something were to happen to them, he has to replace them. They're allowed to eat Shuma. Let's say the daughter of a non kayan gets married to a kayan. And she brings into the marriage whether they are servants that are called Abdi Milug or servants that are called St. Barzal servants. They are allowed to eat Shuma. And so over here, she's allowed to marry the kayan. And since she's allowed to marry the kayan, then both of these types of servants are permitted to eat the Shuma. Let's say you have the daughter of a Kayan who gets married to an Israelite. And she brings in servants into the marriage to the Israelite that she marries. Well, she's not allowed to eat Shuma, and neither are her servants allowed to eat Shuma. Back to Gemara. And is that true that the servants that are Abdi Miluk do not get to eat from Shuma? Is that true? Right? In other words, the servants that are brought in that really still belong to the to the wife and just the husband gets the, the fruits of them while they're married. Is that true that they don't eat Shuma in the first case of the Mishnah when he, she was not allowed to marry, whether she is an Almana marrying a Kayin Gadol or whether she is a regular, uh, a widow, sorry, a Gerusha divorcee marrying a Kayin? Am I? Why not? It should be like an acquisition who acquires another acquisition. What does this mean? It means the woman is considered the acquisition of the man, so to speak. And now she's acquired another person. So it's Mashakana, her, what she acquires is considered acquired to the husband. And why are they not able to eat the, the truma? The Tanya, we learned in Arisa. 
Now, what's the halacha over here? When you have something that belongs to you and then acquires something else, halacha is the tanya. Oopsie, um, lost the place. Um, the Tanya, how do you know that if a Kain marries a woman and she acquires servants, that they are allowed to eat Shuma? It says that if a Kain will purchase any soul, the purchase of his money is this week's parasha, that he is allowed to eat from Shuma. How do you know that if the, his wife himself, if the wife herself brought in slaves or his slave brought, bought other slaves, they're allowed to eat Shema? The Kayan will buy any soul the purchase of his money, then he will be able to eat from it. She says his acquisition, which acquired another acquisition, is allowed to eat. Only those that can eat can enable other people to eat. Those who cannot eat cannot enable others to eat. So the wife herself cannot eat. Why can't she eat? Because she becomes disqualified from eating truma when she marries a kayan who she's not allowed to get married to. Or in the example of an amana, when she marries a kayan gadol, she's not allowed to get married to. She's disqualified from eating truma in the future. And therefore she can't eat. And if she herself can't eat, then her own acquisitions cannot eat. The loyan is the so. And Aral, someone who does not yet have a circumcision, or anybody who's tame, and they're not able to eat truma themselves, but if they are a kayan, they are allowed to have their, their acquisitions are allowed to eat truma. Interesting word, that interesting phrase the Gemara uses. Over there, their mouths are hurting them. What does this mean? This means technically they really would be able to eat, but they have a specific hurdle that they cannot overcome. In other words, inherently they're able to eat. The hurdle is they're not circumcised or they're, or they're ritually impure right now. And therefore, their acquisitions are also able to eat. Allah is a mamzer is not able, a mamzer, a bastard child, is not allowed to eat, but doesn't enable his grandmother to eat. What's the case? You have a kayin marries a woman who's not a kayin. That woman is now allowed to eat. That woman, right, who was married to a kayin, then had a daughter. The daughter marries a mamzer, someone who is a, a out of wedlock, and they have a child, and that child is a mamzer, is another out of wedlock child, okay? Now, the halacha is that because that grandmother still has a child alive from her kayin husband, then she's still allowed to eat shuma. So the mamzer himself is not allowed to eat shuma, but the, but the grandmother is able to eat shuma just because of the status of the grandchild, right? So the fact that somebody himself is not permitted to eat, that's not a proof that, and even when it's an inherent problem, it's still not a proof that the actual, the, the other person is not able to eat, that their acquisitions can't eat. What we meant is any acquisition himself that could eat, they can eat, they can also enable others to eat. They themselves cannot eat, they cannot enable others to eat. And the Torah level, slaves are allowed to eat Shuma. And the Chachamim said this doesn't work anymore. If I'm in that, she'll say, any woman who marries a kayin who she's not allowed to marry, I'm not able to eat, my servants are not allowed to eat. Zayne hiyatzle, basically the equivalent of is, uh, is, is a woman of the night. And therefore the kayin will say, you know, we don't really have a good relationship here. This is not a lasting relationship because they have a relationship akin to a, a prostitute. And what we recognize is something very important about human nature, which is that when the woman has this perception of herself as being not so uh, on the up and up, their relationship is not long-lasting. It will end up doomed to failure. It's a decree, an exera, that maybe she'll think she'll allow others to eat after her husband dies, which isn't true. And therefore, we say that even beforehand, she can't allow them to eat. 
Then we should say in general, if you're the daughter of a non-Kayan who marries a Kayan, should not allow others to eat. We should say that if she allows others to eat, then maybe she'll think that she can enable others to eat after her husband's death, and that's not true. The Mishnah is talking about a widow who herself is the daughter of a Kayan, and she'll say to herself like this, Before I was married, my servants were able to eat truma because of my father's house. In When I married this Kayan, they were able to eat truma from this man. Now, after the Kayan died, things will go back to the way that they were, and I'll be able to eat, they'll be able to eat truma again just because they're connected to my father's house. She doesn't know that originally when she owned servants and she was from the daughter of a Kayan, the, the servants were able to eat truma because she wasn't yet a halala. She wasn't yet someone who had been rendered tame, invalid, inappropriate to be in a relationship with a Kayan because she hadn't had a relationship that was in, not permitted to a Kayan. But now she was an Almana who was married to a Kayan Gadol, and now she's a Halala, and now her her her, uh, her acquisitions, her servants cannot eat. Almana Kahana. So that explains when why when she's an Almana, a widow who's also a Kahana, also the daughter of a Kayan. Almana Basisral Maikal Member, what do you say about a woman who's a widow, but a widow from a non Kayan? We shouldn't be concerned over there, and yet the Mishnah doesn't seem to differentiate. Indeed, you're right, but the Chachamim were not didn't differentiate between different types of, of widows. And they said that since there are certain cases of a widow where she might think that her, her servants could eat after the marriage is dissolved, therefore across the board they can't eat, even in a case where she would not come to that conclusion. If a wife brought something into her husband that was evaluated, now they're getting divorced. He merits, and she says, I'm taking my objects. And he says, I'll give you the money, but I'm not going to give you the actual object. Who does the halacha follow? says, halacha follows Allah is follows her that she gets to take back her objects. Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami says, Allah follows this opinion. He gets to give her the money, and he keeps she, but he keeps the object. What was the Abdi opinion that Allah follows her position that she gets to keep the object and he and he um and that's it. The things that she brought her from her father's house are considered to be hers. Allah follows him. Came in the Amar Mesu Mesu license. It says in the Amar said that if um, if he died, it dies to him. And if they go up in value, they go up in value for him. Since he's held responsible for them, they are allowed to eat. Does it teach and they are his? It says, since we are obligated in, in uh, responsibility and liability for them, but really they are not his. Every time someone's held responsible for them, now all of a sudden they can eat chuma. We learned in a Mishnah. Who rents a cow from a kain. He's allowed to feed it, um, the kashine truma, the fodder, cattle fodder from truma. If a kohen rents a cow from a non-kohen, even though he's obligated to feed this, this uh, animal, he's still not allowed to feed a kashine truma, the cattle fodder from a, a truma. It's Let's explain. Even though he's liable if it's lost or stolen, but in Sahel, or is he liable for accidents? If it gets weak, or if it goes down in value, is that is he liable in that as well? You can only compare a case to the second part of the Mishnah. A Israelite who rents and evaluates a cow from a Kayan and says, listen, if anything happens to the cow, I'm going to give you back the value of the cow. 
He's not allowed to feed it batches of chuma, you know, the, the fodder, the leftover stuff. But the kain, evaluates a, kain, a cow from a non kain, then he's allowed to feed it pieces of chuma. Slaves go free with a tooth or an eye of the of the man. Right? Allah is says in Mishvatim that a slave owner knocks out the tooth or eye of his slave and the slave goes free. And the Allah is that if the husband knocks out the, the eye or tooth of the servant that came in and is guaranteed value to the wife, then it, she goes, the servant goes free. But if the wife knocks it out, it's not going to work. The question is, one brisa implies, not implies, but it states explicitly that when the husband knocks out the eye or the tooth, the, the same barzal slave goes free, which implies that it's the husband who has this relationship with the servant and not the wife. Right. There's another right that sounds like Rabbi Yehuda. Why? Hamachnes says Shum Labayla. A wife brings into her husband the same buyer's own property that was evaluated. Husband wants to sell it. He's not allowed to sell it. And not only this, and even if he brings into her, he brings in something that's been evaluated from himself. He's not allowed to sell it. Let's say either of them sold the property for Parnassa, right, for the sake of her living. Um, the story comes from Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. Says the husband is allowed to take it back from the buyer. Sale is not valid. Even though we had a brisa like Rami, the stabber time of Rabbi Yehuda It makes sense the position of Rabbi of Rabbi Yehuda because of the of the idea of shvach beisavia. Of um, that the the property the assets belong to her father's house. Ahi itza the ayla lay the gaber. There was a woman who once brought her husband. It's the lad the which is a very fine um uh, fabric shabbos robe. Miksubasa is part of her ksuba. Shachel the husband dies. Shaklua yasmei brasua. The orphans took it and they they brasua uh, they spread it over the husband's body. Amisna on the dead body. Amarava kanye misna the corpse has acquired it. Amale. So Amalei Nani Berei the Rav Yisuf Berei the Rav Ola of Kahana Amar Rav Amar Rav Nachman Halachah of Yehuda Halachah follows of Yehuda that should not belong to the husband Amalei Milei Mei the Rav Yehuda the Mechusar Gavaina doesn't Rav Yehuda agree in this case where the robe wasn't yet taken back by the wife that at this point the 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 orphans ended up ended up uh, you know using it, it became the Mechusar Gavaina of Rishusay since it was not yet collected from, by her, so it's still in his possession. And therefore, it goes to the orphans when they die. And since they used it for the body, the body, Allah is that anything that is used by a dead body, is the dead body acquires it, so to speak. It becomes the dead bodies. In this circumstance, it means that she can't use it anymore. Rabbi Latame, Rabbi is going according to his reasoning. I'm a Rabbi, Hektash Chametz V'Shechor, just learned this previously. Hektash Chametz V'Shechor, the halacha is that hektish, which means when somebody consecrates an object, or chametz, when somebody has a lien on an object and the object is then consecrated, or the chametz, it's on chametz, and then Pesach comes, or they have a lien on a slave, and then the slave is free. In all those cases, the lien is canceled. A wife brings to her husband two objects that are worth 1,000 zuz, and this is what we call same bars of property. In other words, the husband is guaranteeing that value to be returned to her. But he gets to keep the object. And then the value goes up to 2,000. So it's 
So she takes one of the objects for her. The other one, she pays its value and then she can take it. Because the assets belong to her father's house. That the assets of belonging to her father's house belong to her. already taught this. I would have thought to say that the assets belong to her father's house only belong to her when she's actually collecting from the Ksuba. But to give money and take money, which wasn't included in the original Ksuba, I would have thought to say that perhaps these objects that came in as um, are not considered in this category, but that's not true. You have a daughter of a non kayan is married to a kayan, and he dies, and she's pregnant. Her servants are not allowed to eat Shuma. The servants can't eat truma. Maybe you'll say they can eat truma. Why? Because now the the child that's born, or night now it's not born yet, but there's a fetus here. And since this fetus, we don't know if the fetus will end up, we'll see. The Gemara's gonna get into exactly why, but the the it's like this. The the mother is a the mother is a non-Kain, but she was married to a Kain, right? And then the Kain dies, right? So if you if you left behind this wife with children, then they'd be able to eat the fact that she has children that enables the servants to eat truma as well. But over here, there's an uber, there's a, a fetus, and the fetus disqualifies others from eating. does not allow others to eat. And you testified to us the case about a non-Kayan woman who's married to a Kayan, Afas Kayan the Kayan. So to the daughter of a Kayan who's married to a Kayan, but she's pregnant, who dies, these are pregnant. Because of the fact that there is a portion that belongs to the Uber, and this is going to disqualify from Truma. We're going to get into why. There's reason because he holds that a, a, a fetus that's in the womb of a non Kayan is considered a non Kayan. Even though that fetus, when it's born, will change its status to Kayan, but maybe for some reason, when it's not yet born, it's considered a non Kayan. And therefore, this woman can't eat truma, and therefore, servants can't eat truma. Idoma, you learn by any you learn in or is it not that it actually actively invalidates, but just Allah is that something that's already born can enable others to eat, but if it's not yet born, it can't enable others to eat. What's the difference between these two opinions? In the case of a, a, a uber, a, a fetus in the womb of a kayin, my what's the Allah? I'm a rabbi, this is a basis reason the cassava uber may zara. Zari, a fetus in the womb of a non kayan is considered a non kayan. Something that's already born can enable others to eat, but something that's not already born cannot enable others to eat. Once you testify to us about a non kayan married to a kayan, what's that in the case of a daughter of a kayan who's married to a kayan? I heard that the slaves can't eat truma. I did not hear that. That it was forbidden. I just heard that it was uh, maybe allowed. If you say that when the fetus is in the womb of a non kayan that fetus is currently considered a non kayan This is why I said this one I heard, this case I didn't hear. But if you say, oh, yes, the reason is because typically only a child that's already born can enable others to eat. A child that's not already born cannot enable. Then what does it mean? This I heard, this I didn't hear. They're exactly the same case. Kasha, that's different. We don't have an answer to that. I'm reviewed on Marshmol, Zutev Rabiesi, these words of Rabiesi. If they have children, the Kayan has children aside from the, the uh, fetus, 
then then the servants are allowed to eat because of the fact that he has left behind other children. If he does not leave behind children, they can eat because he has brothers. If he does not have brothers, then they can eat because ultimately the person who's going to inherit him is going to be from his father's side, the family of Kahanim. When Shmuel said these are the words of, of Rav Yesi, does Shmuel say that he doesn't agree? Shmuel said to Rav Chana Baghdad, right? Go bring me a, a group of 10 men so I can give you a certain sack that I want to be mafarsim, I want to publicize. They may I can tell it to you in, in their presence. Hamazaka you're allowed to acquire on behalf of an Uber, on behalf of an embryo. Very, very relevant to Roe versus Wade. Rather, Shmuel must have meant these are the words of Rabbi Yesi, but he indeed agrees to him. Mike Mashmuel, that he agrees to him. This is a chedesh. The pligi rabbanon ala hadar Yesi. The chum argue on the Rabbi Yesi. Umi pligi, is it true that the chum even argue on Rabbi Yesi? Must have Rabbi Zakkai. Rabbi Zakkai asked the question. Zu e deshei Rabbi Yesi mifnei mipi shmai avtalian. This thing was testified about by Rabbi Yesi in the name of shmai and avtalian. Vahaydu loyin. The chum agreed with him. Amr Ravashi mikitani mekiblu. Does the teacher they accepted? Vahaydu loy the tani, and they agreed is what is taught. The mistaber tamei. He, he, he said something that made sense, but they still argued with him. Let's say these behind children. Both these and those, both the Nechsemilug and Nechsemilug, slaves are allowed to eat Juma. If you left a pregnant wife without any other children, neither these nor those are allowed to eat Juma. Let's say these behind children, you also leave behind a pregnant wife. The Nechsemilug slaves are allowed to eat just like she can eat. Because of the portion that belongs to the Uber of the fetus. The, the fetus the allow, disqualifies but does not enable others to eat. A daughter enables other people to eat too. A daughter of a kind enables others to eat, but a son does not. We're going to explain why this would be so. If they're male children, they can all eat. Right? Um, but if there's female children, then they cannot, they cannot eat. Right? Because like this. Um, um, if the animal, if, sorry, if the child is a male child, then the child will inherit. But if the child is a female child, then the brothers will inherit. Maybe you'll find that the child is a male. And the daughters don't have a share at all. And the slave, therefore, would be the property of the of the um, of the fetus, which does not enable them to eat. So like this. Let's say the Kayan left behind daughters. And now he also has a, a pregnant wife. We don't know what the pregnant wife's baby is going to be. The pregnant wife's baby ultimately turns out to be a boy. That means that the, the boy actually, when he was in the embryo, I guess is what we're saying right now, is that actually he is already inherited. We already know that he's going to inherit the mother. At, at, sorry, the father after the fact. And since he's only a, a fetus, he's not going to enable the the uh, servants to eat. So now you're up the creek because you can't say that they could eat because of the other brothers because maybe it'll be a boy. And if he's a boy, then he's going to inherit over the brothers of the dead father. And the fact of the matter is, well, there's girls here right now and therefore you're up the creek because the girls are not able to inherit when there's a brother here. My area is typically in the cave and pasla. Why do you have to say that if you find out that the baby is a male child, it's going to disqualify it. Even if you find out that it's a female, it's going to disqualify it. This reason and another. First of all, a female child will also disqualify it. And also maybe the fetus is a male. And daughters don't get a share when there's a son. 
What do you mean? There's a Uber, there's a fetus. Why should it why isn't it disqualified? We are not concerned for the miut, right? Maybe it'll be a male, and therefore we'll have a portion in them. And if it's a male and it has a portion in them, then it should disqualify because a male child is not going to be able to cause to eat until it's born. Why are we not concerned? We're not concerned for a minority position. What's the minority position here? 50% of children are boys, 50% are girls. Other 50% who are boys, there, some of them are in NAFO. Some of them end up dying and don't live till 30 days, right? And, and since they, and since it doesn't live till 30 days, so the majority of children will not inherit. Maybe he does hold that we're concerned for the minority and perhaps he'll be a boy. That we put in a special enactment like orphans who come to inherit, which split up the portions of the inheritance of their father. appoints an administrator for them. And he makes sure that everyone gets what they need. When they grow up, they're allowed to protest the fact that the division was not fairly apportioned. He says, when they get older, they are not able to protest that which the apotropist, that which the court appointed uh, receiver did to ensure that it was equitably distributed. Because if you were able to, if you were able to just, uh, you know, change your mind and say that doesn't work for me, well, then what's the purpose of having Bezdin? You basically emasculated them in terms of this specific Allah uh, administration. Let's see Because if Rabbi Shimon agrees, then it must be that the Tanakhama disagrees. The Kuleyama is the of Nachman. Everybody agrees to Nachman. is whether we worry about a minority in the case where they do not appoint a administrator. Says that the daughter enables others to eat. The son does not enable others to eat. Maishna, what's the difference between a son and a daughter? Ben, delay Maishal, a son does not enable others to eat. Mishum Chalka Shal Uber, because of the portion of the Uber, of the embryo, the fetus. But a daughter also should not enable others to eat because of the portion of the fetus. We're talking about over here is a small amount of property. And that small amount of property is given to the daughters to take care of them while the sons don't receive anything until the daughters are taken care of. Going to Ikka, Ben, Bahadi Bas, in the case there's a son with a daughter. No matter what, the, the servant should be able to eat. Because if the embryo is a son, the fetus is not better than the one that's alive. Therefore, he shouldn't get a portion, but he also shouldn't stop the slaves from being able to eat. But if he's a daughter, the, the fetus, then why does the daughter eat at all? There's sons around, they should inherit everything. But they can't the only reason why she eats is just because of this rabbinic enactment. And therefore, before she's born, the Chachamim didn't pass any rules that she should be able to eat. And therefore, why should this be an impediment to the slaves being able to eat when the, when the wife of the Kayin is pregnant? Maybe, so what essentially what you've established over here is that we're talking about a case where there was not so much property remaining to this individual. Well, what do you say about the end? Maybe we'll find that the, that the, the, the fetus will end up becoming, turning out to be a Zachar, will end up turning out to be a, a male child. And there is nothing, there is no, nothing given to the daughters in the case where there is a son. Actually, when there's many, when there's very few properties, the bunnies then it actually goes to the daughters. You have to say that the, the second case of the Mishnah, the end of the Mishnah is talking about where there's a lot of property. And is that true when there's not that much property? 
that was not that much property that the that they go to the daughter. But Amar of Asi, Rav Asi taught, Amar of Yechanan, Yisaimim shekadmu marchu benachasmu atim. The Yisaimim, the orphans, go ahead and they they sold the property before Bezdin gets involved to support the daughters from the leftovers. Masha marchu marchu, the sale is valid. Well, my bastik tani. So what is, it says daughter? What does it mean to say? Aim. It really means the mother. Iachu hainu Rav Yesi. Well, then that's the position of Rav Yesi. Kula Rav Yishmael, Rav Yesi ketani la. Tyre's theme was taught by Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yaisi. The next Mishnah, you have an Uber and you have a, an embryo and you have the Yavam. The, the brother is still alive. Aresin, and the, and um, the Aresin status of the, the first stage of marriage, and a Cheresh, which is someone who's a deaf mute, someone who's a boy, nine years and one day old, they disqualify others from eating Chuma, they're not able to eat Chuma. Suffolk if it's nine years and one day or not. Suffolk heavy based hours, suffolk should be heavy. It's a suffolk whether or not he's produced two hairs, which makes him into an adult, or suffolk whether he did not. The house collapses on a man and onto his brother's daughter, who he's married to, along with another wife. We don't know which one died first. Like this. Allah is you have two brothers, and one of these brothers gets married to his brother's daughter and to another woman and then there's a terrible collapse tragedy calamity a house falls on the brother and his wife which is his niece and also the other wife we don't know which one died first because if the brother died when both of those other two women were still alive then there's no din chalitza at all there's no din yibum at all because the the brother is still alive at the time that his brother died his daughter was still alive and therefore there's no din chalitza but if she died before the brother and before the other wife, then there would be a din chalitza. Over the Gemara says, when you have an over, when you have a fetus, if the wife is a daughter of a kain who is married to a non kain, then the, the fetus disqualifies her from going back to her father's house and eating. Because if she has a child that is going to live and will be a boy, then she can't go back to the father's house. It says, when she's back like in the same status again, then she goes back to her father's house as the daughter of a Kayan, Kenny Truma. Katlumabaris excluding a pregnant woman. And if she's a daughter of a non Kayan who's married to a Kayan, then the embryo does not allow her to eat. That which is born allows her to eat. That which is not yet born does not give her the status of mother of a Kayan, which allows her to eat. Hayavam. Halacha was that a Yavam. If the wife is a daughter of a Kain who is married to a non Kain, the fact that she's right now a fetus, that disqualifies her from being able to go back to her father's house and eat. The Shavel it says that she will go back to her father's house, excluding a woman who is still um, pending a status change, whether or not she has to do Yivam or Chalitza. If she's a daughter of a non Kain, then then the Yavam is not going to allow her to eat. The service says the acquisition of his money. And she's really the acquisition of his brother. But Averson, the case of betrothal, first stage of marriage, Ibas if she is the daughter of a Kayan to an Israelite, Pasala, then this fetus is going to disqualify her from going back to her father's house and eating. Why? Because Allah is Kanya she's already acquired her with the first stage of the marriage. And the wife of a non-Kayan can't eat Truma, even if she's the daughter of a Kayan 
right away, even after the first stage of marriage. And if she's the daughter of an Israelite who's getting married to a Kayan, she doesn't get to eat because of Ula's halacha. Technically, a non Kayan girl who's married to a Kayan, even if it's only the first stage of marriage, is allowed to eat Truma on a Torah level. Ula, however, says that she's not allowed to eat Truma until she does the Suin, until she does the second stage of marriage. And there's different reasons given as to why we differentiate between um, a non Kayan who's fully married or a non Kayan only at the first stage, but either because perhaps they won't end up finalizing the marriage when they get married he'll have some sort of a complaint on her and they won't get married or because since at the first stage of marriage she's still living in her father's house she might take from the food that her new husband has sent over that's really truma and give it to her brothers and sisters who are not kahanim and that will be a different problem so two, two different possible reasons of why it is that a non-kayan woman who did the first stage of marriage to a kayan although on a derice level she's allowed to eat she's not allowed to eat. okay we're going to stop over here Take care, guys. Be well. Have a great job.